For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We just read the best article ever on how age impacts fantasy football performance. Age is a constant conversation season long in Dynasty for two reasons. One, to identify players before their breakout and primes. And then two, be ahead of the public when spotting a player's demise. So rather than, you know, me and Hayden going through the article bit by bit, let's actually welcome the author instead. It's Ryan Heath from Fantasy Points. Welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. This is going to be really cool. I'm excited to talk about this article. I uh, had a great time writing it. I am really happy with how it's been received, obviously. So, yeah, excited to get into it. It was really outstanding. I mean, Hayden and I both found it on our own. It's in the description down below for all of you to check out as well. Just big picture, just to lay the groundwork here, Ryan. Tell us how you came up with this. Tell us about the sample and you know how you generated these takeaways. Yeah, so kind of big picture, I went back and started in the year 2000. Uh, it, it's always kind of a battle in fantasy football doing studies like this to figure out how far do I go back. I need a big sample, but I don't want to be like looking at players that played in a totally different era. So about before 20, you were born. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was born in 99. So yeah, it just, any, anyone that played or anyone who started their career after I was born was what we went. I like here. it. Yeah. So I took all those players, but then any player that did not have at least two top 12 positional finishes at some point in their career, I just took out. Uh, and the reason for that is, yeah, there's going to be a lot of kind of like random top 12 seasons here and there from players. Like Hunter Renfro has a top 12 total season by total points. Uh, there, Kenny Galladay, James Robinson. Like, I don't want to try to figure out the trends of these guys because, yeah, fantasy football is, is a random game at times. There can be blips like that. I was more interested in guys that have sustained some level of high production for multiple years, because especially when we're looking at dynasty leagues, those are the guys that we're really asking questions about when will they fall off or it's what we're hoping for. If we're asking, when will this player break out? I think it's totally fair. And I think that's, I use the year 2000 all the time. Um, and I think that's a smart way to look at it. We're not asking about these players that have never broken out before. If in age eight, are they going to start falling off? Those players are already f fallen off. Uh, so I, I love the sample. It's, it's a very cool thing to see. Um, and like, I was just loving to see these charts that you guys put out about like, if it's because we hear this term age cliff. And that was something I was yeah. very curious about. And uh, what I was noticing, it's a little bit flatter than what I was expecting from some of these elite players. So uh, we'll walk through by position. Yeah, don't ruin it. We'll get into all that. Just again, the blueprint here, top 12 scores at each position other than tight end, which was top six. And Ryan, you need multiple 
top 12 seasons. It's not just one. It is multiple as well. Okay, let's kick it off with the running back position. Ryan, key takeaway. The first one is what? So the first takeaway that kind of punches you in the face as soon as you look at that chart is there's a big increase in running back production from year one to year two. So kind of the obvious takeaway there is, oh, okay, we should be targeting running backs entering year two because that it looks like is when they mostly break out. Uh, So it's a little more complicated than just these bars would have you believe because there are running backs that immediately arrive in the league and instantly have a top 12 season as a rookie. We saw this from Ezekiel Elliott, Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley, plenty of highly drafted running backs in recent years. I looked at those and what I found there was if a running back has already kind of broken out and totally smashed as a rookie, you should not expect him to get even better as a sophomore and to sort of follow these bars that are in front of you. The What happens when we average a lot of these scores is we end up kind of losing like the individual more specific cases. But if there's a running back who does kind of fit this where they had some production as a rookie, maybe they didn't take over their entire backfield. Those are the players that we can expect to have a good chance to increase their production in year two. So that'd be like it for this year, Damian Pierce would kind of be falling into that category who I don't think was an, a top 12 player last year, um, but was close enough and maybe could be somebody that has multiple t- top 12 finishes. Yeah. Pierce is an excellent example uh, be- because yeah, he, I mean, he did take on a pretty big workload as a rookie, which is something you really want to see. We don't have to wonder about that with him. Uh, so really all it takes for him is just some be- some better offensive efficiency overall in his environment. And yeah, then you can absolutely start talking about Damian Pierce as a multi-year top 12 type of player. So yeah, I I think he is a great example for someone we would look at for fitting this trend. Yeah, a few others that you mentioned, Brees Hall, and he only didn't make it for a full season because of his injury. James Cook, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Pacheco, poor draft capital indicated that he was going to share the backfield during his first season. And even Rashad White and Brian Robinson due to inefficiency. It's so interesting that that's a pocket of players, yet in many different ways, they had their rookie seasons um, impacted either, you know, working behind or next to a really good other running back or due to injury or like you said, due to inefficiency. But that is, again, the pocket of players that could take a giant step forward during their second season. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and those are the guys that I especially in redraft, because when, when you look at Dynasty, I think the market does a decent job of pricing a lot of this in people. Honestly, in Dynasty, people might over chase breakouts or over predict declines a lot. But especially in redraft, kind of counterintuitively, I think these age curve trends are it, extremely useful because it it can show at least show you where to focus your attention for which types of play, which players we should be deciding if we're in on or out on if we think they can take the next step. So yeah, a lot of the ones you just mentioned are guys I really like. And just historically, watching you know Chris McCaffrey get drafted 
in the top 10, he might not have hit that top 12 status because he was sharing the backfield during his rookie season. Joe Mixon, I think his talent was apparent, but he was drafted on the heels of, you know, like Giovanni Bernard finishing out his rookie contract. So at times, a lot of these rookie running backs are entering their team as someone is exiting and ending the final years of their veteran contract. So to me, that is a, a, statement that stood out when reviewing a lot of when these peak years happened. Josh, yeah, yeah. real quick, piggyback ahead. on that is I think why uh, looking at it by seasons played versus age, there's a actual difference here is because of the way contracts work in the NFL. You have four years, sometimes a fifth year, the fifth year option. And then most of these free agent running backs get one to two year deals afterwards. By that point, they're already looking for their next running back out there. Like someone like Miles Sanders, he's played for the first four years. He's probably need the Panthers guys in year five, year six, and then year seven, year eight, all of a sudden the Panthers, even though he is under contract, will start to draft that second round running back that will inevitably chase him. So I do think that there's something to looking at the running back contracts and uh, using uh, the seasons rather than age. And if you look at the, the wide receiver chart later on, you can see how that one is delayed a little bit longer because the wide receivers are signing actual three-year deals. The, the premium guys are signing four or five-year deals. You're just not going to see that running backs after the rookie year. Yeah. So running backs do generally break out in year one or year two. They'll hold on to their peak production kind of, through about year six and then year seven is kind of the first hint of a decline mm. year eight is when they on average will perform worse than they did as rookies that's kind of the steepest drop there uh, but that's really the area where you have to be careful because as i said with these bar charts all of these are average numbers so in that average you're going to have a lot of guys that are sustaining relatively elite production uh like derrick henry is a good example he was had one of the best year seven scores in the sample he would obviously scored a lot of fantasy points last year but there's going to be other guys that score significantly less and that's just going to average out into what looks like a smooth curve. So kind of going back to what Hayden said earlier about, oh, well, is this really an age cliff? I think at the individual level, it can be a cliff. But looking over the entire population, there's almost an illusion that it's a smoother drop off, a smoother curve. And that year seven this year, as you said, it's the storied running back class of 2017. That includes Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, James Conner, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. Damn. To be honest with you, Brian, <laughs> uh, I'm in on a lot of those players this year. But to the other point that you also make throughout this article, some players are just so good that they beat a lot of these last, you know, 23-year sample. Christian McCaffrey could be an example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not that concerned with this for Christian McCaffrey or for like Austin Eckler because they have just shown us continuously that they can be these power law type of players that are, are going to make up a huge percentage of advancing teams or finalist teams. So it's really the guys that have kind of already taken somewhat of a step back that I'd be more concerned about uh like alvin Kamara, for example his efficiency has just been really declining especially on the ground they they've been misusing him a lot as 
in the last couple of years, in my opinion, as well. Not really working in as many uh, checkdowns that he generally thrives on. So he would be a good example of, yeah, th- this is and obviously a suspension looming as well. But right. it, mm-hmm. it, you can see the production kind of falling off a cliff in that case. And obviously Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette aren't, aren't on teams right now. So, right. You, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's when you're looking through this for the running backs, is it how good they were or do you think size is a component like Derrick Henry? He maybe can withstand being hit this many times in the NFL rather than with like Austin Eckler, who's a little bit smaller, certainly very jacked. Uh, Do you think that there's a certain chance that he would have a decline a little bit faster? Do you think it's all noise and it's just kind of we're playing with these kind of trend lines? Uh, I, it's hard to say, I would say it's more noise trying to separate out like smaller and larger guys because Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I can look and I can, I can say, okay, like Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch were two running backs that had generally longer careers, but that I think also like Darren Scrolls and like Danny Woodhead are names that are popping Mm -hmm. up kind of later in their career having success. So I think if a back is deployed appropriately uh, it, based on their skill set, based on their size, that can be what helps them last longer. But yeah, I, w- I wouldn't make any sort of rule of, okay, this guy is larger and is receiving yeah. more touches. Therefore, he might decline faster. All right. Second big running back takeaway. You've hammered home the fact that you should absolutely take running backs that broke out during year one and are maybe going to break out in year two. What if that hasn't happened yet for one of these players? Should be we be wary of that? You you should be very very wary of it. Yeah. So the vast majority of running backs that make it into the sample, which is again guys who score top twelve overall multiple years in their career, most of them have broken out by year two. You're get there's not a whole lot of guys that wait until year three, year four, year five to finally have their first top 12 breakout if they have another one coming. So yeah, as I said earlier, you might get these kind of random top 12 seasons at random points in a guy's career, but especially if you're playing dynasty, (laughs) then you want, you want to probably sell guys if they're not giving you what you need after two years. Okay. So two examples of this, this year that you wrote players entering year four, JK Dobbins, Deandre Swift, There's fans of both of them out there. Big fans. Big fans. This makes me very wary of investing in either of those two players. Yeah. And I mean, there have been, there obviously have been plenty of twists and turns in both of these guys' careers. Like there's plenty of things you can say of like, this is why they haven't put it all together. And maybe they'll put it all together in this one season. Like this time it counts. But I think there is some signal to this in that. If it's going to work for a guy for multiple years, he shouldn't have to put it all together. He should he just should be able to stay healthy or he just should be able to get high value touches without his coaching staff taking him off the field. Like and maybe it will happen once for one of these guys, but then you get to the next season and there's a whole new set of circumstances and randomness. So, yeah, I, I think there is a lot of signal to that. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. 
And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog. Or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. All right. Wide receivers time. I was expecting this to be in many cases identical to running back, but there were some differences here. Ryan, give us your first major takeaway of the wide receiver position when in relation it comes to age. Sure. So my first big takeaway is that kind of similarly wide receivers on average are not as good as rookies. And you see a little bit more of a slow increase in their production kind of coming gradually from years two through year five. Uh, You, I would have believed five years ago in the fantasy industry that, okay, year three is always the breakout you target. Um, in the last couple of years, it's really turned into everyone saying, okay, year two is when wide receivers are breaking out. That's when we expect it. Uh, so I, really the answer is both. It seems like guys can do it in both years and even in year one. But I would say years one, years two, year, th- year three are the most common uh, breakout years for wide receivers. Those are probably the types of players you want to be targeting if you're looking for the big wins against ADP. Yeah, you can see from year one to year two, there's a big leap there, but it does go up continuously for years and years afterwards. So I, I don't really have a good theory on why that would be the case, really. Maybe it's just there's so many, like a rookie wide receiver has like three guys they're competing with instead of just the one. So it just takes some time to like, work your way a little bit up the depth chart every single year. But that was a big takeaway. And the the market right now, especially on underdog fantasy, they love the second year oh, wide yeah. receivers, the Waddles and the Olaves. I completely understand why we should expect a big jump from them. But that is definitely uh, baked into the ADPs currently. One obviously last year was Chase and Devontae Smith. And Ryan, to your point, I absolutely loved that in the column, rather than just looking at the first column of 70-point, five percent you actually broke it down a little bit by year as well because we have been spoiled by rookie wide receivers in recent years you wrote that year one accounted for just seven percent of breakouts before 2014 but 26 percent of breakouts since and then years two and three each accounted for 36 percent of breakouts before 2014 but just 16 percent and 26 percent respectively from 2014 to today so at times that might be smaller samples in a 23 year sample, but it also can indicate strengths of draft classes. But I also think it can indicate talents at great positions and how the NFL has even changed in the last, you know, decade and a half versus the decade and a half before that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, as you said, the wide receiver draft classes we've had recently have 
just been insane. Like you, you don't see like the Justin Jefferson's the Jamar chases. If you go back even a few years looking at how rookie wide receivers performed. So yeah, I, it's hard to, I guess really the question is, is this going to keep up? Uh, I think generally this year, the market hasn't been as crazy hot on a lot of these rookie wide receivers, but yeah. maybe that's a mistake. If we think this is a larger trend, maybe we're, overlooking some of these guys a little bit i think that jordan addison is severely underpriced i mean adam thielen was second in the nfl in routes run last year only behind his teammate justin jefferson so the volume is there for for him so just kind of talking about these kind of like a little bit later breakouts and we're talking talking about two players that kind of stick out brandon Ayuk and jerry judy i think that Ayuk is better than jerry judy right now but both of them have felt this close to like really getting there and I think that a lot of maybe even in dynasty, but I think even in the best ball streets, maybe are not accounting for just how much upside that somebody like those two guys can have. Is it too late for those guys to jump up a t- up a tier, or do we think that they have at least some room to grow? So I know I'm drafting both of those guys this year, um, and they're both year four. So yeah, I mean the breakout odds definitely are lower than they might have been before. I kind of, again, going back to what we were saying about running backs, that there have been a lot of situational factors where you can say, okay, that well, this is why Brandon Ayuk hasn't put it all together. Uh, like he basically was in the doghouse for half of his sophomore season, or Jerry Judy has had a, just kind of a lot of injuries he's dealt with, a lot of craziness going on with the offense lately. Maybe Sean Payton, this is when he puts it all together. I get there a little bit more with the wide receivers. Um, That might just be a feeling. I'm not sure it's entirely supported by the data, to be completely honest. But these are guys that I'm okay with drafting. because, Again, because they're... I'm not, maybe this is just philosophy. I'm not as upset if I kind of win small at wide receiver as I am mm-hmm. at running back. I'm almost always looking to win big at running back. So I'm more willing to entertain like the Judys and the Iukes than I am the Dobbins and the Swifts of the world. I agree. Anything else you want to say about the wide receiver position here, Ryan? I mean, people love to draft it on underdog. Um, it's It's everyone's favorite position at the moment. It is. Yeah. Um, I guess I would just say that the decline for wide receivers kind of starts like after year five, year six. Again, it looks like sort of a slower decline. In reality, a lot of these guys are kind of falling off a cliff very suddenly. We saw that with Allen Robinson in year eight, and that's kind of where he's been since. Uh, But it's really uh, year nine, year 10, where these Mm. guys become really in danger and where just where the range of outcomes kind of really widens. So if you look at that 70, whatever percent it is on year 10, that's made, there's almost nobody that actually scored 70% of the baseline. It's all guys that were scoring like under 30% or still up at like 110%. So you have to be discerning here. Uh, But I mean, again, there are, plenty of guys where even like the ADP markets would agree that they're not feeling so great about like Mike Evans is someone that would mm-hmm. fall into this category this year. So yeah, they, you've got, you've got to be careful there. And even like Devonte Adams, I could begin to get concerned about just with kind of the smoke that is coming out of the Raiders right now. 
I think you put it best early on in, when you said that look for a little sign in of like the efficiency drop, the target volumes drop just a little bit, and then be prepared. Once you see it from the last year that there was a little bit of a decline, then it's the year to be out. I feel like I'm willing to say with like Cooper Cup's old, Tyreek Hill's relatively old, uh, Devontae Adams is certainly up there. They were all so good last year that I think if they do decline, it'll probably be the year where they decline a little bit. And then next year I'd want to be out where with Allen Robinson, we tried to pretend that everything was fine, <laughs> but really there was some major issues the year before. Oh and that last year was the year to be completely out on him. So I think what I'm going to try to remember is when I noticed somebody's a step slower, and I said that about Alvin Kamara and Dalvin cook last year. And then we're talking about the wide receivers look for the year where they're like starting to tip off and then be completely out until that point. I think I'm okay with Devonte Adams. If he, if I draft him as the wide receiver seven, he turns out to be the wide receiver 11 this year. I think I'm fine with that chasing the upside that he still could be a top three dude. And just to reiterate some of those names that are entering year 10 at the wide receiver position, Devonte Adams, Deandre Hopkins, Keaton Allen, Mike Evans, and Brandon Cooks. And you also made a point in the article to talk about this is all, you know, survivorship bias a little bit. Like this all should be categorized by a quote of among players who made it to this point in their career. So a lot of, you know, receivers won't even make it to year 10 of their career and the best do, you know. So we are talking about the best of the best, but mm -hmm. this is typically when we see the cliff happen for them. Yeah, I mean, even between year eight and year 10, which doesn't look like it's that dramatic of a drop off in the age curve, like a quarter of wide receivers were out of the league between right. year eight and year 10. So there, and exactly, no matter how good you think they are, there's always the possibility. Let's close with tight end. Again, this is top six, not top 12. Big takeaway. What is it, Ryan? So this one personally surprised me a little bit. Maybe it's because my head has just been in the sand on these trends <laughs> until I put all this research together. But sophomore tight ends are insane. It's They make up such an insane percentage of the breakouts. There's such an insane wow. average production leap from year one to year two. If you're not drafting like Travis Kelsey in round one, I don't know why you're not just drafting every sophomore tight end later in the draft like that. That's what I want to do when I look at this chart. And I think that it's probably the correct thing to do. Hayden, it's, for I years, I have said that tight ends typically don't break out until their second contracts or their second teams. But I feel like this chart is making me look mm -hmm. like a fool for repeating no, look at statement over the last three or four years. But I mean, it kind of gets right at year five, year five and year six, six are the highest. Yep. There you go. Maybe I just don't know how to read charts, and that's my problem. <laughs> well, I, I think I think there's a there's the true breakout. I think this chart yeah. showing like the true breakout, and I think that like across a bigger sample, year five and year six are probably pretty sweet for tight ends just in general. But if you're looking for that guy to like all of a sudden smash his ADP, usually that's not going to come from somebody like. Like last year, Evan Ingram was a good example of like, yes, he did very well versus ADP, but still was like the tight end seven, tight end eight. It was never going to be up there with like George Kittle. Yeah. I mean, tight end six is much easier to hit than like the sixth overall wide receiver. Let, let, let's For put sure. it that way. Like if you score more touchdowns, that's the case. But then, as you said, hitting their peaks is typically that's coming in year five and year six. So that is something to keep in mind. The second year wide receivers, to your point though, Ryan, or second year tight ends, um, I don't think that they're as interesting 
this year as they have been in years past. I mean, this time last year it was Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth, and now it's like Chigo Quanquo and Greg Dulcich. But maybe I should like put that bias and throw it in the trash and just draft by the chart. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that Chigo Conquo is more exciting than Kyle Pitts, but I, I think Oconquo and Dulcich are pretty exciting. There's a, a lot of really encouraging predictive stats for both of them. Oconquo, yes, it's a small sample, not that many routes, caveat, but insane yards per out run, uh j- like blowing out the rest of his team in every efficiency stat, missed tackles per reception, anything you can possibly think of. Uh, it, he's athletic enough. He's like Rob Gronkowski levels of athleticism. That That is what a tight end who absolutely smashes the rest of his career looks like. And then Greg Dulcich had one of the best yards per game among tight ends over the last like 10 years. So, or among rookie tight ends, excuse me. So I think both of them are insanely good picks, extremely exciting. The, those are the guys that I'm getting so much of if I'm not getting the highly drafted tight ends. And just to quote you, Moving away from sophomore tight ends, but not really, I'm obligated to point out that rookie Dalton Kincaid's current tight end 11 ADP and underdog above Okwanko and Dulcich is completely preposterous. Love the statement, Ryan. I disagree, but I love the statement. Uh, (laughs) This chart was totally skewed. Totally. I mean, again, it goes to when is the first year, I believe, a tight end is going to break out at 50%. It's in year two. And then it's 9.1 in year one, 9.1 in year three, 9.1 in year four, 13.6 in year five. And then after that, we get zeros. So like that also makes me wary of a couple tight ends that are being drafted right now that maybe have not hit top six status that are in year six and year seven of their careers, a la David Njoku, one of my like favorite players throughout the league. Yeah, it's it's interesting with him because I kind of like before I put this together, I I could have been talked into David Njoku as well. Okay, the offense is going to improve. There were some decent splits you could put together with him last year, efficiency wise. But yeah, it again kind of going echoing myself with what I said with the wide receivers and the running backs. Why hasn't he put it all together at this point in his career? It seems like his team really likes him. Like they've re-signed him to these contracts they've given him all this money but the production fantasy wise just hasn't been there and i there's not a great reason to assume it will be that i don't think he's developing anymore at this point in his career uh kind of what you said earlier josh yeah i always had that in my head as well of okay it's a second contract when tight ends are really going to break out and really going to produce i think it's kind of true on like a for like mediocre level production. But if we're going after these big wins, these guys that are going to be at the top of the position for multiple years in a row, they're going to make themselves a thing much earlier. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. This is, we're talking about the elites with all this stuff. There could be some minor differences when we're talking about like the fringe guys that we are drafting in best ball. Just real quick. With the rookie tight ends, the history has not been kind to them at all. But at the same time, we've kind of seen a little bit of the NFL change where the wide receivers seem to be taking strides early on. There's talking about like the seven on seven and how college offenses and NFL offenses are starting to look a little bit closer 
Do you think in the next five years, we'll look at some of this rookie tight end sample and say that, oh, actually, some of these guys have a chance to produce? Or do you think that's just going to be too hard to kind of learn two positions at once, that kind of narrative? Because like you said in your column, some of these rookie tight ends are getting a little bit more hype than we're accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, my right now, my opinion is we are going to talk ourselves into a rookie tight end every single year with that kind of narrative. And generally, it's not going to work out. Like, it, look, Kyle Pitts, for example, had one of the most statistically impressive mm-hmm. uh, rookie tight end seasons ever. But you, you weren't happy if you drafted him in fantasy his rookie year. It was like it wasn't that big a deal. I think I think he was exactly the tight end six by total points uh, and less than that by points per game. So, it, yeah, I don't get there with Kincaid at all. Maybe there will be some prospects in these coming years that we can say that for. But I think really if they were going to step in and just be a receiver that they would be drafted as a wide receiver. They would be a wide receiver. If that, if that was the truth of, okay, the position has changed so much that this guy doesn't even need to worry about blocking. If we, if we ever hear a coach say that, then maybe I'll believe it. We are getting a little bit of that coach speak about Dalton Kincaid. So I'm intrigued to see what we get uh, from the preseason with him. And you mentioned second year tight ends. I said Chig's name. I said Dulcich's name, but you also listed, you know, Jelani Woods, who definitely is a massive body who can play a role in red zone situations. And even Kate Otten might be getting some love right now, who's like getting zero buzz at the moment. It's only being drafted in like 3% of drafts out there. So I got some names, Josh. Oh, throw two guys that two guys that I've been drafting a lot. Last, very last rounds, Trey McBride was not a fan of him. In college, was not a fan of him last year, but the volume is going to be there for him this year. And then Jake Ferguson was, for the super dynasty sickos out there, at one point was supposed to be a really good prospect, could be walking into the Dak Prescott tight end role. So those are two guys that kind of qualify as well. Ryan, this has been incredible. Um, Thank you so much for writing this column. Again, everyone, go and read it. It is in the description down below. Hayden and I read it separately, and together we said we had to do a show on it. Um, Ryan, I'm excited for whatever next is for you in terms of your projects. Any, uh, any hints so we can get ahead of the curve here, just like we are on these players demises and breakouts. I don't want to drop any hints right now because I'm not even entirely sure what my next thing that's going to come out is, but yeah, no no worries. I will make sure I'm sharing it with everybody. Thanks so much for having me today, guys. This was really fun. All right, go and follow Ryan, go and check out his work. We will talk to you all next time. Up the villa later on this week. Tomorrow, in fact, Denny Heifetz with the five players he can't stop drafting. Until then, see ya.